to you by Spawn.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what the differences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, show initially focused on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Deadbeat Heroes by Deadbeat Productions. Adam and Immy, who are you and what do you do? Uh, so, my name's uh, Imkan Hayati, or Emmy for short, and I'm the artist. Well done. Hello. Hello, Adam. <laughs> yes. Well done, Emmy. Um, and uh, I'm Adam. I'm Adam Langridge, and I'm the coding team, all of us. <laughs> Excellent. So we had a bit of a pre-discussion about you know, what we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about coding, uh, sadly. We could, but let's not. <laughs> uh, and uh, But, yeah, so... Um, Deadbeat Productions, it's a very, you know, bit of a misnomer because you're not. I mean, in Deadbeat Heroes, you are far from Deadbeat. So it's an ironic title. Oh, Uh, Oh, yes, you're right. (laughs) Because, you know, the the characters and the the, the, uh, people you play in the game are just, they're far from that. But we'll come on to that later. Um, This is is a question to both of you, and you can can start off with whoever wants to kick off. Um, Is uh, how did you make your start making video games? Oh, blimey. You first, Jimmy, or do you want to go me to go first? You go first this time. Really? Okay. <laughs> Stop making video games. Yeah. Well, I'm, so it's actually a bit of a long, tortured process. Um, when I was at school, I always wanted to make games. I wanted to be a video games artist, but there was no such job at the time. No. And then I decided, oh, well, I, I can't do what my, my dad did. My dad's an, an engineer. And so I went to university, studied engineering, and then about, and I wanted to be a designer because that was like the closest thing to being like, like a, an artist um, that I could think of in that area. And I got to do that. I did, got to do like a six month placement and I got to be a draftsman, which was fantastic fun, but it wasn't as fun as I hoped it would be. And I went back to university and I was all a bit despondent. I didn't really know what to do with my life. And then I thought, wow, screw it maybe I can start making games or something. And I ended up um, trying to, well, harassing um, all the video games companies in the UK um, for the next 11 months to try and get an internship. And I was lucky enough to get one at EA as a researcher, it was called. So I was basically dog's body for, actually it was at EA, but I thought it was Bullfrog. And... um, (laughs) Because it was Bullfrog as it turned into EA. Yeah. So I, I went there and I thought, oh, I'm going to Bullfrog, amazing! And I was like, what, what am I going to be working on? Am I going to be working on our, our game F1 2000 Championship Edition? And I was like, oh, I don't recognise that Bullfrog franchise. 
Um, but it was really cool. They, they let me on there, and I, I kind of, that was my first foot in the door. Um, and then from there, finished my degree. I became a video games artist for all of six months. I was terrible at it. And then I got to ride on some colleagues' coattails all the way over to Lionhead, where I was a junior programmer. And I was regarded as a risk, uh, but an interesting risk. So they, they let me in. That's excellent. So well, when did you, do you remember your first ever game that you made? I love asking oh, well, this so, question. It could be in anything. It could be on a spectrum, I don't mind. <laughs> so this, yeah, this is a really weird thing. I, I, I kind of, a, a quite non-traditional, um, you know, way into video games. I didn't learn anything about programming until right. I was 20. So I, I kind of, I liked, you know, I liked building stuff and I liked maths and I liked art, but I never really kind of caught the bug of programming until I was taught it formally at university as just one of the little segments that we were learning as engineers. And then I got over the hump of just getting anything working and then I kind of got it. I right. thought, oh, actually, no, this, is, this is amazing. Like you, you get that god, comp- you get drunk with power. You get the god complex. I can make these things do whatever I want. And um, much, and that much was laughter begin with M. Like yes, that's right. Yeah, you just make start making bigger and bigger loops and say, oh, I can do this a thousand times, a million times. Um, so it all gets a bit, you know, over the top. And that's what how I got into programming. Hmm. So really, my first games were actually making games with and for other people. Oh, right, okay, awesome. Apart from, actually, well, I suppose my, my dissertation was meant to be an exploration of a life, but it ended up being a load of cats in a box run, run, with wheels for legs, rolling around, you know, eating and avoiding each other. And then, of course, I couldn't resist putting a car in there, a remote-controlled car that you can drive, and it became some kind of weird sandbox that ran at, you know, it had to run at 30 frames a second or it went too fast. But, <laughs> but that was the closest thing, for the, the earliest closest thing to a game I've made. What about you, Imi? How did you make your start into this wonderful world of flashy, lighty video games? Um, well, kind of, uh, when I was a kid, I was always interested in games with my, sort of, with my friends. We, we, we always kind of uh, sketched out game ideas and things but uh, I never actually whilst at school thought of getting into games really um uh, so like Adam I didn't start off in computer games I actually studied architecture which was uh, something I was passionate about uh, at the time and um it was uh, not until really um sort of later on in 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 my studies in architecture that uh, my friend um my housemate had uh, an N64 and had just got Ocarina of Time. And uh, during evenings, I was, uh, I think I played it more than he did and uh, <laughs> really, really got into it. Um, and, and that got me excited about uh, computer games the most. Um, and then once I finished, I kind of decided to, to change course and, 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 um, uh, went on to computer animation because I thought it would be a good sort of stepping stone uh, into uh, into computer games. Um, and and then whilst I was actually studying, um, I applied 
to a few places. And I got my first job actually at a little GBA uh, games company in, in the west of England called Pucker Games, which uh, don't exist anymore. And um, I had uh, my first great experience there because it was a small team of people and had opportunity to, to do a bit of design as well as um art so um yeah that's how i sort of got into it really i remember that gba period it was wonderful it was just uh just the beginnings the the, the sort of like yes this is gonna be big the mobile the, the playing games in your hands rather than on a big screen <laughs> was going to grow and i believe that was the first inklings of it not the not the mobile phone stuff because that was a bit weird and they had different languages for different phones it was a, it was a mess but when it comes to the gba which i still value and rate quite highly i think that was the start of it all so mm. yeah awesome to be in that space at that time but obviously you moved on to other places and, and worked elsewhere uh yes yes yeah. so, so I, I met adam uh then after pucker games uh, um and finishing my animation course, I actually ended up at Lionhead as well on Black and White 2, and that's where uh, I met Adam for the first time. So, so that was cool. And then it all converged. You romantic music. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, let's move on to the next question then. Um, and this is something that's difficult for most people to answer, but I do do a lot of help from cajoling you along, so don't worry. The question is to both of you again, of course it is, that all these questions are, is what are your biggest influences as creators? Oh, God. <laughs> See? <laughs> it's no, a very nebulous question. <laughs> yeah, it's that's, basically... That's what's... the weird thing. It's, it's like, as, I suppose especially as a programmer, you kind of regard your job as so functional mm. that um, it almost seems like not. It almost seems pretentious for me to think, "Oh, I have influence." Of course, it's not, uh, and it completely. And to think that way kind of demeans the art form that is games. Yes, it's just that I've never been asked it before, so okay. I've never really thought about it. Um, oh goodness. Okay, so hang on, what's the question again? Something about... So what is your biggest influence? So you create things. Clearly you're influenced by something in order to create. That's just the way it works, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. And I'm just asking, what do you think those things are? (laughs) Well, for me, I've got a feeling, and I think this kind of will bear out in Debbie Heroes, it's kind of very much like my inner you know, gangly, uncomfortable in his own skin, younger self. And the stuff that I was into as I was growing up um, really influenced me. So I, I grew up in Bognor Ages and I would, I had paper round, got six quid a week and I would spend most of that down the arcade because we got loads of, we had a few kind of quite good video game arcades in, in Bognor. Um, and I would, you know, go to the arcades and spend a fair amount of it there on stuff like Street Street Fighter 2 or, or, or Virtual Fighter 2 would rock up and I'd, I'd, you know, play that. And I just kind of thought, I remember first seeing Street Fighter 2 blowing my mind. I had never seen a game. And it, 
like opened a little window to me. I think sort of the, a lot of the games of that era, the arcade experience, um, is has probably become like a core creative, like a, a core a creative cornerstone of the stuff that I like to make. I, I like that feeling of challenge and difficulty and a few sharp edges uh, to the game and the sense of jeopardy really um, which I think saying that in the noughties was all but smoothed out it was all about experiences but I always had a hankering for the ability to lose and die pretty quickly it can go wrong so I, I always think that those kind of feelings of you know excitement anticipation and jeopardy um always bounce around in my head when I try and make something. That's awesome. That's a fantastic answer. Imi, what do you think is, uh, influences you as a creator of things? Beat that, Imi. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, for me, um, from an artistic standpoint, um, I guess but part of it is feeling, um, kind of what I feel at the time and, and things that excite me at the time. Um, maybe it's, it's through something I've, uh, a game I've played or a movie I've watched or something I remember from childhood, like a cartoon or something. And, and I think that, uh, so I love sketching and scribbling down stuff uh, a lot. And, um, uh, and really, it's, it's it's kind of what takes my fancy at the time uh, when I'm 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 doing uh, that stuff. So so it's really influences of uh, from everywhere that that I get and how I feel at the time. Uh, really, okay. Well, that's that's quite good. That's quite good. You're a magpie. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 quite common. I've found a lot of creators that the. Uh, make reference to other people's works because that's how it, you know, that's how it is. You standing on the shoulders of giants, and it's perfectly, perfectly fine and reasonable. Um, so, next question. Then it's quite related to the previous one. This is how I design these questions. Um, what developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? Oh blimey! That's <laughs> <laughs> interesting one, actually. So, I mean, there's there's kind of like a, a, a fairly large number for me it's almost uh, like a, a a tie for so many kind of colleagues at Lionhead like the guys that went off to you know do media monitoring Mark Healy uh like open, blew, blew my my head off um with the stuff that I saw him do when I was at Lionhead mm. I found him sort of so aggressively inspirational like he did not give a shit. He was just making the most awesome stuff he could and didn't care, you know, didn't care what was going on. He just wanted to make something really cool. And I, I kind of found him you know, really inspirational. Uh, you can't mention Lionhead without mentioning Peter Molyneux, like the, the hypnotic presence of Peter. Um, and there's like, it, I mean, he's always a contentious character. But I think there's an awful lot to admire with how he does so much stuff. And then there's like the, the modern hybrids like Rami from Blambeer, um, or and he's sorry, him and his buddy. Who I always forget the name of. I can't really can't really call him um someone that I most admire. But the thing is like their games and how they presented them like like the new kind of rock and roll. Yeah, ridiculous um, like, fishing was, you know, was oh, brilliant. It's just, 
Getting yeah, a mean, machine it, gun on, yes, of course. Yeah, it's just a toy de force, and you, and it was all all of a sudden mobile games kind of became um, credible. Yes, as well. Yes, like before I saw that, it was like, oh, mobile yeah. games is all yeah. is all about well, like this and that and all this other stuff that didn't seem as appealing to me. Yeah, but then you see ridiculous fishing, which is beautiful and crazy and violent and funny and, and um yeah and you think wow it's incredible you know yeah. what those guys do so yeah i mean it's it's not massively and, and of course you know there's old shiggy over in japan oh yeah he's been always, talking corner by man he, he released a little yeah. game recently yeah yeah absolutely but that's a bit like Desert Island Disc you know it's yeah. like, oh well completely works of Shakespeare in the Bible yes. oh you know Shigeru Miyamoto he's in there of he's course he's in there yeah, yeah. he's got a the guy that answer. did yeah the guy that did uh, Res I mean that's, that's oh, an amazing wow. Sure, have you, you know. played Res on v- PSVR? Res Infinite? Oh no I haven't it oh. was, it was it like, is it Boy. a dream world? yes it is it is the, it's the first game I played on PSVR as well, which I'm very happy to say. Like, I've, no, no, no shooties, no. I just want res. Yeah, <laughs> res. yeah, yeah. So, no, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and of course, like the the other guy in between, you see, like old Hideo Kojima, who seems incredibly flamboyant. But I remember some guys at work um, that had got the design document for one of the Metal Gears, and it was. Such a authorial, um, was it autier? You're such an right. autier. So, like, you're like, okay, here's 300 pages. You could pretty much just hand it to a hundred talented game developers. Like, well, this is how the game works from start to finish, and here's the story and the mechanics. And it's just incredible to kind of see that kind of way of working, which is the exact opposite of how I can. Like, I can't, I can't do that in my head. I have to make something and then see if it works or not. Yeah, prod it, pull it. Yeah, that's see right. If it I'm breaks. A tinkerer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about what about you, Amy? Who, who do, you, do you sort of like uh, look to and go? Yes, keep doing what you're doing. You're awesome. Um, well, I guess I guess for me, it isn't really the the, the person or, or a single person that no. uh, for, for me that. Um, inspires me it's it's more kind of the the team i mean uh, as adam was saying about lionhead i admire it. quite a lot of people that i've worked with i mean i've worked with some great artists and uh, amazing artists and um i admire them a lot and uh, and what they've achieved and what they do and um uh other things i admire i i admired a lot sort of clover studio obviously they don't exist anymore i, I love the stuff that they generated um, and it's a shame Capcom obviously had closed them down, but loved them. <laughs> <laughs> They're still bearing a grudge there, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, and loved um, Okami and uh, and stuff like this. So, uh, kind of for me, it's 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 the creative team and and that that kind of I admire and, and so on. So. Yeah, Okami, wonderful game, one of my favourite Wii games. Mm. Sort of side that to people what yeah, yeah it was great it was good on the PS2 don't get me wrong but I like the motion controls you know it made it a little yeah. bit more interesting it um, was an amazing game I remember yeah. obsessing over those the outline rendering that they did mm. and trying to figure it out how do they do it how do they do it 
Yeah, that was a big thing, wasn't it, back then? Of uh, It's about 10 years ago now, believe it or not. Best not think right. about it because it makes you feel old. Yeah, all I need. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, anyone else, or we can move on to our final question in the first half. Uh, yeah, and that's we, we're, you're good. Okay. This is my favourite question because it gives me a little inkling about what gets you going, as opposed to the game you're making. So, what I'm going to ask you is both of you, and this is legally required because we're we're on a podcast about video games, so I have to ask this question: What are you playing right now? Me at the moment. Okay, yeah. so I'm playing. Two, I've got two gaming lives. I've got um, evening gaming, which is just me playing whatever I fancy, uh-huh. and I've also got Dad Gamer Dad as well, right. where um, where me and the kids play stuff together. So evening gaming at the moment. I'm playing a fair amount of Dead Cells on the oh, on the Steam. That game's um, awesome. Yeah, remember, which I'm really. Seeing, yeah, I remember seeing it at uh, EDX a couple of years ago. Just, mm. Yeah, wondrous. Why, why, yeah. why are you liking that so much? Well, to be honest, I've kind of like the. I've been reading a bit more about. It. I'm trying to figure out why I like it so much. To be honest, because it feels good, which is always like it's a prerequisite for a game for me. It has to feel pretty good, and it feels great. It feels kind of really fluid, and I think the breadth of gameplay that it provides through. You know, kind of random mechanics, essentially, I think works really, really nicely. Um, so I will quite happily have one or two runs in the evening. And then I'll be curious about, well, what will happen the next time I play? What will I come across or what will I unlock or what will I just pick up? And how will I adapt my strategies to, to play with it? So it's, I think it's a lot of the, it ticks a lot of the similar, it tickles the same bit of your brain as games like Rogue does, you know, where there's a lot of parallel learning, you know, you're, you're learning how to deal with these things and learn how to use that weapon and you learn about this, but then you die and then you play something else and you learn a few more things and you gradually feel like you're getting mastery on it. And that is just feels fantastic on my brain. <laughs> For some reason, um, it keeps drawing me back. And the other, uh, but with the kids at the moment, I'm trying to make sure my kids are classically trained uh, when it comes to games. So we've been, I think we started on, did we start on the SNES? Or did we start on the GameCube? I think we started on the GameCube and we're now on to the Wii U. And um, there's some Pokemon going on. And there's also, oh, that's actually on the um, DS. And there's, I'm also playing through... Um, Skyward Sword, actually. That's going to be uh, my little boy's first Zelda. So that will be his defining Zelda, I think. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, my first Zelda I finished was Minish Cap. Good oh, one. wow. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that was a really, really good Zelda game. But mm. um, the, the second one after that was the well, I played at length was Ocarina of Time. Which, oh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, all, all, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the Zeldas. Not all of them are great. Um, no, but, I, I think, yeah. I think it's, it's almost by the by which one you play. It's like everyone adores their first Zelda. Yeah. And then the second one is like, oh, not, yeah. didn't quite do the same thing. And <laughs> I remember uh, I'd interview a lot of, like, in, at Lions, I'd interview quite a lot of people for, like, uh, coding internships and, the most regular answer. What's your favourite game? Our favourite question was, 
what's your favorite game? And then they describe it. And then we just say, how would you improve it? Ha ah, you see, it's a little trap. And right. the most regular answer was always, well, their first Zelda in whatever form it was. And it would just right. depend on their age or what they had at home to play on. Yeah, um, how do you improve was, on that? Uh, uh. Yeah, it was just, oh, 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 make it longer. Oh. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't think I'll be able to answer that question, to be honest. So yeah. it's literally mean asking it. Yeah, well, just, you know, I'd, I've heard rumours that some developers required uh, people had to play and finish Chrono Trigger in order to be considered to be a member of Star. Nice. <laughs> You've got to be leaping up. Yeah, it's like, yeah. really? It's a great game, yeah. I know, but really? Really? I, I, had to import, I had to import that? That's really cool. I remember having an interview at Bizarre Creations, and um, I had to play... What was it I had to play? I think it was either a beat-em-up. I think I had to play their receptionist at a beat-em-up and kind of make, you know, make a good show of it. <laughs> I, had to, I had to stand up for myself. Oh, blimey. That was the litmus, the litmus test. You know, I had to do okay against the receptionist at their beat-em-up. That was all right. This guy seems to know games. <laughs> what about you, Amy? What are you playing at the moment? What's distracting you from things? <laughs> Um, it can be any type of game, by the way. It doesn't have to be video games. So, right, okay. Well, I mean, for me, I'm almost playing every game and playing no games at all. Um, it's 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 like really difficult for me to to find the time. And then when I do find the time, I have to kind of balance it. I've got sort of a six month um boy and and then my oh. six year old girl, and it's like really difficult mm. to balance so uh, is, yeah. and and then um yeah also i like my horror games and right. and i can't really play them in front of them so time gets really short to to play any so so um yeah games i've got on the go but never completed are resident evil 7 and and Neo and uh, many others. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, so, I need to know it's at Randomy's house because he's, <laughs> he's got an entire library of games right. and about a third of them are still in the cellophane because <laughs> he hasn't had the time to, to crack them open. <laughs> oh dear, that's a place that, you know, too many people <laughs> occupy these days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel your pain. Um, but uh, no, it's it's... So, what is it about horror games that you're drawn to? What is it about them? Um, I guess it's the I like the adrenaline. Uh, I mean, Resident Evil Seven. I, I played to a point where my wife was sitting next to me <laughs> whilst I was playing it, and I got to. Uh, I was moving so slowly through each room, being really cautious mm. not to get caught, and all of a sudden, like there was a big kind of like the woman in the game attacks me mm. uh, and I completely jump out of my skin dropping the controller and uh, yeah, my wife kind of said what, what happened what happens and it's like uh, I just love that <laughs> <laughs> just that running out of the room <laughs> shut the door behind you hide on your leg so uh, yeah, I mean, I love the Silent Hill games um, as well, and and um, it, it it's just yeah that that fear 
factor and and the story kind of draws me draws me in i love story games so um yeah awesome yeah i'm a big first thing i was speaking i'm a big explorer it's one of the reasons mm-hmm. I played WoW for so long because I just wanted to see everything. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I, just, I pay for this stuff. I want to see it, damn it. So, anyway, uh, well, excellent answers. Uh, thanks for that. So, this is the end of the first half. Well done. So you made it. But now we made it. Yes. Now we're going to the second half where we go deep into the beat heroes. question isn't a question. Regular listeners will know what this question is. It's called the Zeroth Question, as a moth reference. Tell us about Deadbeat Heroes. What is it? Me, me. Shall I, Emmy? Go for it, Adam. Okay, so Deadbeat Heroes is what we call, we, we are coining a movement-based brawler. And in it, you get to play as one or what, you and a friend, one or one or more, um, what are called deadbeat heroes and essentially that means that they are superheroes without their own superpowers but what they can do is move around quickly wallop stuff hard with some crazy prototype rocket glove um and they can steal the superpowers from the villains that they knock out essentially um when we talk about it being like a movement-based brawler what we really mean is we try. We looked at a lot of beat 'em up mechanics, and we tried to make them move. All about how you move, not just which buttons you press while standing still. So there's no block. You've got to dodge. Um, if you want to do a combo, you've got to chase the guy after you've smacked him across the room, or juggle him as he lands back down nearby you. That kind of stuff. Couldn't put it better myself. Um, oh, and it's set in 1970 in London, and it's very silly and funny. <laughs> oh yes, we'll come on to that. Awesome, mm. yeah. Okay, um, I'm assuming you're happy with that, Amy. Uh, yes. Oh, cool. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is my first design question. Brace yourselves. So it gets more difficult as it goes on. So, uh, Debbie's Heroes is an extremely active game. This is my objective view on, on it. It's very active. Uh, in mm. that, I believe, if you're not moving quickly, you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> How did that influence the design of the gameplay? So the... Uh, do you want to go on this one, Amy, or shall I, shall I wait in? Uh, you continue. You know the gameplay. Oh, I'll have a go. So, <laughs> kind of like the... This is a partly, I suppose, influenced a lot by kind of modern arcade games. I'm, I'm starting to call them like Blambeer style games, which have short but in- incredibly intense bursts of gameplay, uh, which really tickled, kind of reawakened my 
arcade game sensibilities. So, and that's what we try to kind of recreate uh, to some degree um, with Deadbeat Heroes. I, I kind of really like games that need you to, you know, be always thinking, always reassessing, always doing something. And it kind of does, you know, tightens the pressure, you know, amps up the pressure on you until you've got through that room. And then it just lets off the pressure a little bit, lets you have a breather, and then you've got to do it again and again until until you've defeated that level. Um, so it's very much driven by the arcade sensibilities um, that I, I suppose kind of like have always influenced us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's very telling every time you enter a new area. Everything seems to have its place. Everything, even, even the plant pots and uh, the trees, everything has a purpose. And that just felt well. How did you manage to do match that with a, such an active game? Um, but we'll talk about that later. So this question I've got related to that. But the combo actions mm. that will make the player into a hero, in my view. Yeah. Without them, you are just a man punching people in the face. Um, are you ever concerned that a player becomes paralysed with the choice as to what to do next? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's always the danger. Like, I, what we kind of ended up doing is we provided the player with um, quite a broad palette of things that they can do. Um, like, it, these are probably the most agile, flexible kind of characters that you get to control in a game that I've I've ever seen, uh, mm. to be honest. Um, like they can pretty much do anything at any time, and it was re- that was kind of born out of a desire for fluidity. So, um, just kind of drilling to, we're going to describe buttons. You have a jump button, you have a dash button, and you have an attack button. Um, there's, there's other buttons, but those are kind of like the, the bread and butter, and. We were kind of at pains to make them always, nearly always, be able to do something right now. So whether you're jumping in the air, you can double jump again. Or you could be dashing on the ground, which makes you go into a wall run. And then if you're wall running, you can jump out of it. And then you can double jump again and then dash and then attack from the air. Like there's there's loads and loads of stuff that you can do. And... Um, it, you're kind of right. Like we, we found that it's an awful lot to ask a player to pick up, you know, right at the beginning. And what we ended up trying to do was introduce kind of what we termed coined advanced moves, such as just a, an uppercut or a drill punch or a dash punch. Um, we tried to gradually unlock those, um, but we still, you know, gave the player quite a broad uh, move set from the start. Um, with with the hope that they would feel like they were able to experiment and try and be quite expressive about it. Um, yeah, I mean, usually there's about three or four things you can do at any time, um, which might be valid, and there'll be another two or three things that you could do which are just a bad idea. Um, and we kind of trust the player to um, you know, persevere a little bit and then get a real, you know, kind of a nice sense of mastery of what they can do. And what I've found, I mean, obviously it's always completely different when you're the guy that makes it, you understand implicitly how all the rules work. But um, what I found is when I play it, 
I do find it to be quite an expressive uh, move set as well. And I can I can kind of like play scenarios out in my head and kind of capture the silly comic book moments that we've always been trying to recreate in this game. Personally, I love being in the air as much as possible. I love being yes. death from above. I love Brilliant. bouncing around the air. And like, I'm very rarely on the ground. That's, that's the thing that I do. It's why I, I like playing it because it just felt like, well, I like jumping around because it's, you know, reasons. Mm. And uh, I just love doing like drill, drilling down on them or pushing them or flying, kicking them up in the air and then getting up in the air myself to juggle them up a bit more. And it's just really satisfying. So that's, oh, what I, that's, what I, that's how I like to play it. Uh, if well, it's right or wrong, course, you know. No, no, that's absolutely right. And of course, all those goons who are, <laughs> who are voiced by me hate it as well. They can't handle it. They do get easily confused, but um, I want to ask about the turbo attack. Uh, Mm -hmm. How did this come about? So, uh, for the listeners, this is how it works you you beat up the goons, of which there are many. And uh, every time you do, they drop a big blue orb of something, and the the character can pick those up, and as they pick them up, a a gauge builds up to the point it starts flashing blue. And when it's flashing blue, you can do pretty much an unstoppable attack that does a lot of damage. Can you tell us how did that come about? So so that was like a real evolution. Um, So, I mean, our our team, which is essentially me and myself and two other fantastically talented people who are part-time, um, work just helping out. Um, we we pay them, of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> gosh, gosh, say we're not monsters. No, it's um, very important. Though. That is very important. In all seriousness, yeah. that you, of course, you. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's the only way you can do it. Yeah. Um, like we, our background aren't isn't as pure designers. We we, I mean, I, when I was at Lionhead, I spent a lot of time in R and D, and the only thing I was, I kind of brought to the table at Lionhead was um, a willingness to get stuff wrong, try things out, um, and I was quite, I was into prototyping. And um, the turbo attack was something that evolved uh, beyond recognition from from the first prototype to how it is now. Mm -hmm. So when we first started doing it, I think the idea was that you would simply hit baddies, would it, I think it would charge up, um, a a kind of turbo bar that was always emptying gradually as well. And if you did a good combo, it would charge it up more beyond up to a point. And then I think what you would have to do is you would press the quip button and your character would go, here I come, or something. And you would have a short time uh, after that where you had to hit someone just with a normal attack. And if you hit them with that normal attack, um, it would be completely awesome. It would be like it would have an extra damage effect and it would knock out important stuff and break through guards. And that was kind of how the turbo attack started. And what we found was it was just terrifically complicated. Like People just did not get it at all. And what we were trying to capture was this idea of showboating. Uh, We wanted people to feel like they could show off and feel cool, um, and that version did not, um, didn't you know, wasn't up to the to the challenge. 
And something else we always try to do was we try to have the mechanics on the screen as well. So you, somebody watching you could understand what was going on. And that also didn't work. I mean, it also failed at that test. Mm. So uh, what we ended up um, doing was we turned it from a window, that button press to make a window to beef up your normal attacks. And of course, if you missed that normal attack, you lost your opportunity. So it was kind of complicated. Um, and then it turned into a kind of a simpler and more powerful looking, more powerful feeling turbo attack. And we really wanted to have this idea of a more powerful attack that you had to earn. And that was so that um, it wasn't simply a case of you going into a room and um, very quickly knocking out a superpower and then smiting everything around you. It was, it was like a tempering mechanic. So um, we were really into the idea of you being really cool, here comes a supervillain, you wallop them, you steal their power, and now you feel extra powerful. But we were getting a bit worried that um, you could do that instantly with every bad character that came along just by doing a quick one-two super move. Um, so we wanted the idea of a, of a turbo attack or a super attack, which evolved from what I just described into something where you charged it up by hitting things. Um, and then by another evolution, um, we decided to start doing it with dropping stuff as yeah. well. So we yeah. added this platforming mechanic, which you're very used to in platforming. Um, you know, you defeat an enemy, they drop a coin, you pick it up, you feel good. Um, grabbing that and dragging that into this genre all of a sudden seemed to work really, really well because it added two things to it. It made it much more readable. Mm. Um, you could understand, I hit this guy, something fell out of him, I pick it up, and now my bar fills, which is kind of cool. Um, and the other thing that it added, um, which was just a, a, you know, a lucky side of lucky. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. It was lucky. <laughs> um, the lucky side effect was um, that it added um, another reason to go somewhere or to not go somewhere. It wasn't right. all of a sudden, it wasn't all about who do I punch next? So who do I punch next? And what obstacle do I hide behind or grab onto or wall do I run up? It also becomes who do I punch next? Now do I pick up that turbo first or now is it safe to do so? Or do I do something else? And this pickup mechanic became really, really useful um, to, for us to kind of start providing more interesting decisions in the in the middle of combat. And also the turbo attack. I mean, what I love to do is line up the enemies and just go, okay, they're in a line now, That's now, right. now. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, right. <laughs> and it just, um, the, 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 the visual feedback is delightful. I'm not going to go on to Emmy on this one because my last question now I know sad face all good things must come to an end but uh, the presentation of of uh, Debbie Heroes is just astonishing it's just so so British <laughs> and the humour to the point where the humour has like bosses using passive aggressive sarcasm all the time as their basic <laughs> weapon <laughs> uh, the the, uh, the, uh, the the gooks um, they uh Pleading for mercy as you beat the, <laughs> beat the 
find the yes. stuffing out of them. You know, it's just like, oh, don't, don't. I've got, I've got kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when they just, call their mummy, mummy, mummy. It's just yeah. so funny because they start off all aggressive. I'm gonna smash you one, and in a few seconds, like, please stop, please stop, not the face, not the face. It is. I just, I just love the the daft introductions of here comes Toby. Yeah. <laughs> Who's Toby? What? Yeah, who's that? It is. It reeks of British humour, so I adore, of course, because I am. But, I mean, I just want to ask, has you found the design of this, this, these visuals, this sort of feedback, this feedback loop to the player, rewarding them for excellent play? I mean, there's an audience for some reason that's cheering as you're beating up all these criminals. Um, do you think it's uh, been part of... It's, it's, it's always been designed in a way to reward the player for playing well has that always been your intention uh yes yeah uh, i mean i think that the idea we had always uh, from the beginning is is about um people picking it up being easy to pick up to get better at it to, to show off um uh, we have some sort of twitch functions as well in the game mm. which again are, are there for for for, for people to reward each other so so people are watching you and they can say oh well done great job and uh, and so on so 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 yeah it's it's always we always wanted the player to feel like they're doing something impressive um and and being cool and and being encouraged to get better at the game yes because you are graded and uh, at the end of every level, it's like yes, you've got a. It goes from uh, S down to D, I think. I can't remember. Uh, well, but it, yes, I think, it, I think it might go down as far as U. It does go U. I'm classified. Yes, yes. It does go down as far as U. Yes, you're quite right. I've never seen that. Yes, I have never seen that. I don't know what people play it and they get a U. It's like oh, some some nice guys turned up. Played our game, give it a really good go. It's their first try. It goes, yeah. you! <laughs> we're absolutely wretched. We keep going, we, we've got to take out the you for the demo version. <laughs> we, 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 we're throwing people shades just for playing our game. This is not cool. Yeah, it's... Uh, the art style reminds me a little bit of Interstate 72, uh, which is a... Interstate 76, and then it's Interstate 82, mm. that's right. So it reminds me a little bit of that. Was that sort of what you were going for, this sort of simplistic, low polygonal, sort of 1970s sort of feel to it? Uh, yeah, so so, uh, so the idea of the game was always kind of to be set in a period sort of after kind of the golden age of superheroes kind of slowly... Uh, their demise is coming and they and and um, and we kind of picked 1970 because it it kind of gives us the opportunity artistically um to play around with stuff from the 60s and stuff from the 70s so for example a couple uh, obviously a couple of characters uh more 70s styling and and a couple are are more uh sort of 60s and uh, a lot of the influences um uh, came from the uh, Batman uh, 60s TV series. So, so mm-hmm. a lot of vibrant colours, uh, also kind of... Even Captain Justice is a bit of sort of Adam West in him. and, and he, he's, yeah, he's got an ego, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. 
Um, <laughs> and even the villains themselves. I mean, a lot of the ones that are in 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 the sixties, Batman are quite even the Riddler and the Joker are, are all really quirky, and mm. and that's kind of what we uh, kind of almost like if you took the sixties. Batman and, and made a British version of it. Kind of that's what soft deadbeat heroes is kind of trying to be in a way. Well, that's what we say it would be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trust us. It would be like this. I mean, it, it, it is. It is quite amazing how funny it is. I mean, I'm not being patronising when I say it. It's the only way to describe it. It's you know, one human in video games is far too rare, far too rare, but it does exist, and you've. You know, deadbeat heroes reeks of it. It's, it's all over the place. It's constant. <laughs> it's almost. You use the term reek. This game reeks of, of humour. Yeah, of being funny. Yeah, probably used the wrong word there. But hey, um, no, it's just you know, it's riddled with it, if you will. Um, oh, but it's wonderful you. to see that because it's just so rare to see that people actually stepping up to the plate and go, I can make something funny. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Let's I, go back to, to the honest, face stuff. No, no, no I can. <laughs> oh, bless you. I, I, I mean, I wish we could take more credit for it, but all, all we can really claim credit for is, like, we, we like kind of silly, funny gameplay, and we're also enormous fans of James Leach, who is just one of the most delightful, funny, clever writers that I've ever met. So he's just being an absolute, you know, mm. a, a, a little star of, and a joy of making this game and seeing his, you know, good, bad jokes and good, good jokes come through is just being an absolute joy. I mean, um, I've actually paused the game sometimes just to stop, you know, stop myself from laughing because this is like... Oh, bless you. <laughs> oh, it's really nice. It's just ridiculous. Everything from the animation... To, you know, because it's all. I mean, when they beat you, which is not common for me, he says. But when they beat you, all the gooks start dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I can claim I can claim some credit for that. I pushed pretty hard for that feature. That was quite high on my priority. I, mean, just, <laughs> I don't know why. I just said we we've got to get this in, and we 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 chat to our animator, and I mean, he, he was like, "Oh, do you guys need some?" You know some um, some blending animations or some more locomotions. We're like, look, don't worry about that. Just get that dancing in. We got to get the <laughs> dancing in before we do anything else. It's impressive. There's different dances, different moves. I have listeners. It's not just the same dance. No, it's different. No, there's Depending three. That's three. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're so they're so. Uh, oh dear. You just want to punch them even harder when you encounter them next. Um, like, you dance to this. That's right. Oh, Toby's dancing at me again. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't you know, time it right. Because that's what happens with the game. I, I, it suffers a lot. I say, I'm not getting negative. It suffers from what I call BFG syndrome. Do you know what that is? No, what's that? So when you play Doom, you've got a BFG, but you were afraid to fire it, weren't you? To oh, know when, yeah. so you're saying, when do I fire this? And mm. uh, for years now, I've actually been training myself away from that. You go, when do you fire it now? What you just got it now? Just fire it now. <laughs> so yeah, when I get through that, is it now? When, yeah. when do I use It'll this potion? Yeah. Right. When do when all? Because I don't want to be the end of an RPG with five bajillion potions that are never used. Why? Mm. <laughs> Why? Yeah. So uh, and a lot of games do suffer from this. And like, we're going to give you this awesome thing, but it's a very limited, and it's really hard to get again. 
<laughs> but have fun. <laughs> you know, and I'm just thinking, no, I'll use it now. And, you know, that's what I, it's, so the only reason with Deadbeat Heroes that I used the turbo punch uh, just when I'm lining them up. I'm trying to herd them. <laughs> so, no, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, you, you get every last bit out of it. Yeah, well, yeah. That's a completely yeah. valid strategy. Um, um, you know, if you turbo punch a goon, you don't yeah. get all of the, the orbs that you could get out of them. Um, True. So it makes it harder to recharge that turbo. And actually, I'll let you into a little secret because this isn't documented. Okay. Uh, well. Even the weaker goons that only have two bits of health, yeah. if you juggle them, before they land on the ground and properly die, you can get more turbo out of them than they Ooh. should have as well. So every goon has three bits of turbo in them, even if they've only got two bits of life. Of life. So you can like hit them once, uh, they bounce off the wall, hit them up yeah. into the air, and then if you hit them one more time before they yeah. land on the ground and blood pools under, yeah. their, <laughs> under their corpse, <laughs> then um, you can get three bits of turbo. Uh, which is which should be plenty. Yeah, more than enough. Yeah, awesome. Uh, pro tip. Thanks for that. There you go. So you've got this far. If you got this far, you got that pro tip. And that's, that's your little reward. That's there your little you are. Reward. Well done. So it's uh, Deadbeat Heroes. It's out on Steam. Windows PC right now. Yes. That's right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I played it on. I actually uh, I have a link box, so it sort of threw it onto my massive telly. It looks oh, awesome. Cool. <laughs> that's, that's wicked. That's really good. Because I thought this I, game needs to be played on a massive screen, so I did that. So yeah. no, absolutely. We we were developing it on PCs, and then I ended up testing the the um, the Xbox One version on on the big screen telly for the first time. Yeah, and it was a completely different experience. It is. Yeah, it is. You can see a lot more. You can actually time. You can actually. Oh, it's going to take ages to get over there. <laughs> It's awesome. But uh no Adam and Amy, it's been fantastic having you on. Thank you for your sharing your experiences and uh your your um, trials and tribulations of making Debbie Heroes. It's been wonderful. Oh, thank you, Chris. It's been it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank thank you. And you're more than welcome to come back on to talk about your next project, whatever. That may be. But in the meantime, really? What a dude, Amy. What a <laughs> thing is true what I say about this guy. He's cool, isn't he? <laughs> and so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer, you listen to the show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show, which is the stablemate podcast, should we say, of spong.com. Bye!